Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 says this. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. Look at, the, look at what he was doing here. This is the, the ministry. This is the totality of the ministry gifts, if you will. We've been talking now for the last several weeks. I think, what do we do? Three weeks so far on the ministry gifts, understanding the five-fold ministry gifts of the pastor, the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, and the evangelist, understanding their roles, understanding their places, understanding that Uh, when we honor these or recognize the value for each of these gifts, not our preferences, not what we like or not what we are drawn to per se, but when we understand the whole value of all fivefold ministry gifts, then we receive uh, the blessing of that, the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, the uniting uh, in one accord in faith, the maturing and developing into the body of Christ, the the being jointed and knit together and every joint bringing a supply. Remember this in Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 16. Um, uh, All those things that are listed there, we receive those blessings. And when these ministry gifts are in operation, this is what's happening. There's a, a teaching. There's a proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And there's a a healing of every disease and every sickness. This is what Jesus's ministry um, was full of. This wasn't just one day. This 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 wasn't one one day that Jesus was just you know operating on another. This was every day for Jesus's ministry, just going about speaking and teaching the kingdom, but also demonstrating. How many of you know the kingdom doesn't need to just be talked about? It needs to be demonstrated. Needs to be an operation. You need to see these things taking place. Um, look at verse 36. After we have the teaching in the synagogues, after we have the proclaiming of the gospel of the kingdom, after we have the healing of every disease and every sickness, that includes uh, you know, demon-possessed people that were under subjection to darkness, being set free and delivered as well. Afterwards, seeing the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. After the healings, after the miracles, after the signs and the wonders, after the teaching and the preaching, he still looked at them and said, ah, they're missing something. They're missing something. They need a shepherd. They need someone to guard and watch over their lives. They need an overseer in their lives. They need someone to provide care and bring them through this kingdom life. See, miracles, signs, and wonders are are incredible demonstrations of the kingdom of God, but they are not where we receive our care. They are not where we receive our, uh, uh, our feeding, our protection, the growing, and the even after all those things, they still can't replace what a pastor provides in our lives, what a shepherd provides 
in our lives. After seeing the crowds, he felt compassion for them. They were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. So he turns in verse 37 and he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. He said, there's plenty out there. There's plenty out there, but the laborers, the workers are few. Therefore, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. To what? Be those shepherds. Be those overseers. Be those caretakers. Every one of us in the body of Christ needs a pastor. Pastors need pastors. I still qualify in the saints arena. How do I get equipped as a saint for the work of ministry? I submit my life to a pastor. I submit my life to an overseer, to someone that can speak into my life, that can care and watch over my life, watch over my soul. In John chapter 10, Jesus talks about the role of the shepherd a little bit. And um, he says this in verse 1, Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But the one who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep listen to his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts all his own sheep outside, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. However, a stranger, they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus told them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what the things uh, which he was saying to them meant. Uh, We know ultimately Jesus is talking about his role as the great shepherd. We're understanding that the, the value of the shepherd is to lead, guide, care, protect, feed, watch over the sheep. That's the role of just a natural shepherd in a sheepfold. They have an assignment to the sheep. Those sheep are within their care. He also contrasts here that there is a difference between those that truly care for the life of the sheep and those that have their own interest or their own motives at heart. That they're not necessarily uh, showing up with the best interests of the sheep in mind. They're not there for the benefit of the sheep. They're there for the benefit of themselves. He's giving us a contrast and letting us know, look, these guys, they'll try to come in another way. They'll try to uh, draw away. They'll try to pull them to themselves. Um, they will uh, they will not come in the way that God has provided, that the that God honors. They'll try to find another way through manipulative tactics, through uh, drawing glory to themselves, however they do it, with without truly caring for the flock, without truly uh, watching over. At the at the end of the day, what's he saying? That a shepherd has the sheep's best interests at heart. That a true shepherd, whether it be the great shepherd or an under-shepherd like a pastor, exists for the purpose of the sheep, 
and caring for the sheep. Now, again, I want to just give this, you know, disclaimer that, you know, I'm not ministering along the lines of the pastor to puff myself up. You know, there's a lot of pastors that don't want to talk about the role of the pastor. And they even make apologies when they have to. Like, yeah, I, 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 you know, they, 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 they just dance around the subject and they don't. I, you know, I've never had a, a pilot after the plane landed and I was walking off apologize for his role as a pilot. I'm so sorry I had to be the one behind the joystick today. You know, I, I, I would love for any of you to do it. You know, I've never had a doctor apologize when they had to diagnose and perform a procedure. Come on now. But, but pastors, we ought to be able to talk about the role of the pastor. If anything, I want you to hold me accountable to the role of the pastor as the word of God shows it. So this isn't about, you know, uh, uh, he's just up there talking about himself and wants us all to honor him. And No, 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 you're honoring the gift. You're not honoring the man. When I honor my pastors as pastors, I'm honoring the gift of God on their lives. As Pastor Earl taught us early on, he said, look, you're nothing without the anointing. The only reason the people love you is because of the anointing. If I didn't have the anointing on my life, I would just be a regular guy. The only reason I can do what I do is because of the anointing. The only reason I can, I can say what I'm saying and be what I am and, and, and being to you and, and, and what I provide to this church and what Ashley and I provide to this church is because of the anointing on our lives and because we are answering a call and an assignment. Amen. And so he's going on and he's helping us understand, okay, not everyone that acts like they are caring for you really cares for you. Not everyone, it, not everyone that's going to fulfill this seat or fulfill this role. And this is not a, an opportunity for us to start thinking about all the pastors that have failed us. I've got them in my life. I'm sure you do too. We are humans just like you guys. It's no different. And I understand that there's church hurt. I understand that there are leaders that have failed. And, and, and it's, it's how the enemy attacks because he knows if I can get the leader, I get everybody else. If I can get the leader, I can compromise everybody else. But we are understanding some things of, of how this shepherd role operates. Verse 7 says, so Jesus said to them again, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Jesus is the word. So if you have a, a, a pastor that's not valuing, honoring the word, they're not taking the door to the sheep. It's the word that is the door. It's the, the only reason you follow our counsel, our guidance, our directions, because we're giving you the word. Not because I, I, I say cool things that are, are tweetable and, and quotable. Uh, it's not because I stand up in here or our church has grown to a certain size or I have a certain amount of followers online or whatever. It's because we give you the word. The only thing I give you that is valuable is the word of God. If I'm not giving you the word, I'm leading you astray. The door is Jesus. Jesus is the word made flesh dwelt among us. You see that. All of those who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Now, let me just make some, give some clarity here. The reason why the sheep 
know the shepherd's voice is because they get familiar to the shepherd's voice. There are a lot of sheep that are misled. This is why I tell you the value and the importance of the word of God in your personal life, not just what I'm giving you, not just what I'm preaching up here. You need to be in the word for yourselves. Because there's, uh, there are a lot of sheep that are not familiar with the voice of God and are misled by shepherds that are not speaking in line with the voice of God. If I was speaking, uh, uh, let's just do this. Have you ever been in a service environment listening to a message and just on the inside, just something rose up and said, I, I, I don't know about that. I'm, I'm serious. I don't know if that's true. Of course, from there, we what? We search the scriptures. Obviously, the level of, of you know, how blatant it is that they're off, some of it might be easily recognized. Mm, nope, that's not true. But there might be others that just register with your spirit, just, ah, I, I don't, I don't. That's why it's so important for you to be in the Word because that is determined by your level of familiarity to the Word of God. Not familiarity and comfortableness, but I'm familiar. I know the Word, and what you're saying doesn't line up with the Word or the spirit or the intent of the Word. Amen? Because we can take Scriptures and manipulate them to say whatever we want them to say. But there is a spirit and intent of the Word from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, and it doesn't change. It's consistent all the way. So, the reason why you're getting that sensing on the inside, even from someone ministering or even from someone that has a pastor or apostle or evangelist, prophet title, whatever, is because you you are familiar with the voice of God. What I should be doing up here is confirming things to you. Mm, yeah, that registers. Yeah, that And when revelation comes from a true Bible teacher, it ought to be registering with your spirit and confirming things because your, your spirit already knows these things. I said your spirit already knows these things. Your mind needs to be renewed, but your spirit's already there. And then, boom, revelation shows up. But you got to be familiar with the voice. The voice that you're not familiar with is the stranger. And I've used this example many times. A lot of times we just automatically think the shepherd is Jesus and the stranger is the devil. Well, the stranger is the one that you're unfamiliar with and the shepherd is the one you're familiar with. So this is why if you fill your mind with CNN and Fox News and every other thing out there that the world has, and then you walk in here, then when I say by his stripes you're healed, but you've been listening to COVID's killing everybody, I'm the stranger, hello, and CNN is the shepherd. <laughs> Come on, it's relative. It's not automatic. It's which one do you become familiar with? So this is the importance of the word of God. But as a shepherd, I, my job is to speak in line with the father. My job is to be a, a, a voice, a mouthpiece of heaven, if you will. 
He says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came so that they would have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 12 says, he who is a hired hand, New King James calls him a hireling, is not a shepherd, is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters the flock. One of the best ways to find out if someone is a hireling, crisis. Crisis. In crisis, pastors hunker down. Hirelings get up and leave. They, they've already packed up the house. They've packed up the camper, and they're down the road before you can even catch them and ask them, hey, what am I supposed to do about this? They gone because they can't handle crisis. They're not there for crisis. They're not there for your benefit. They were there. They don't shine in, 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 in crisis. But pastors, when things get rough, when things get difficult, when things start going haywire, that's when we show up. That's our call to action. Pastors are first responders. Amen. And so that's how you can tell. He flees because he is a hired hand and does not care about the sheep. He does not have the sheep's best interest at heart. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. And they will become one flock with one shepherd. I want to read these to you. I, I saw these online and, and just really felt like they depicted the role of the pastor very well, specifically comparing it, the role of the pastor with the role of the apostle, the apostolic. Now, uh, as we mentioned last week, I broke down all five of the ministry gifts. If you weren't here last week, you can catch it online, broke down all five of them briefly um, and and just, you know, kind of just tightly gave you some of the basics. And if you remember, the pastor can operate in many of the other four capacities. Pastors can be teachers. Pastors can have an apostolic gift. Pastors can have a prophetic gift. Pastors can have an evangelistic gift. Um, pastors can have, um, am I missing one? Apostles, pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists. We covered them. So you, many times you'll, you, you won't find a pastor that just operates as a pastor. They're going to have another gift that they're married with or paired with. And, and many times those can operate in different seasons. They can operate in different seasons. So with that being said, what I'm about to say doesn't mean that a pastor can't have an apostolic approach. But when someone is a true apostle, they're going to have to key in on some of the pastoral gifts. When someone is a true apostle, if they're going to pastor a church, they're going to have to key in on some pastoral gifts. Otherwise, just an apostle alone will burn the mess out of people. They're either going to have to staff some true pastors or they're going to have to pull on a, a pastoral gift. 
Uh, pastoral leadership, I'm just going to read these to you. Pastoral leadership makes us feel seen and understood. They meet us exactly where we are without judgment or the need to fix anything. They connect emotionally with our hearts and carry a grace to help us heal. They get into the pit with us. They shepherd us and remind us how much we are loved by God. That's the, that's the role of a true pastor. The role of the apostle, apostolic leadership, makes us feel empowered with tools and strategy. They see where we are in tension with where God is taking us. They help us discover the strength and conviction to keep moving. They carry a grace for our personal breakthrough. They throw us the rope that gets us out of the pit. They expand our understanding of the importance of our part within the kingdom. Now, notice how with a pastor, they're really going to get down in the in the, the muck in the mire with you, so to speak. And they're going to walk this thing out with you. I gave you an example one time uh, in, in, in just a, a opportunity of prayer and, and prayer broke out in our service. And an, I, I just called up people that were distressed or discouraged. And, and this one individual, the second he came down, I began to lay my hands on him and pray with him. What was on him came on me. And I felt the burden that he came down to this altar with. And I broke. I mean, I could not, I could not stop weeping and crying. Our hearts were tethered. Our hearts were one in that moment. That's a pastor. We'll get down in it with you. But notice that if you are just pulling on that gift, you're never going to have someone that's going to say, okay, we got to come here. We're not staying stuck down here anymore. We're not just going to stay down here and grieve and wallow and mourn and cry over the past. We're moving forward. And now an apostolic gifting shows up to begin to draw you out, throw you the rope, pull you out, empower you, remind you of who you are, strengthen you in your spirit. It's not going to feel good to your soul. It's not a petting of the flesh, but it will get you to overcome and get you to victory. You see how the two are necessary. The two work in tandem. Too much pastoral input can make people complacent and self-focused. Too much apostolic input can breed performance and burnout. Just reiterating the value of these gifts and why we need them all. Why we need these uh, different giftings working together. Not putting someone or something in a box Again, I'm reminding you, next week, we're bringing in these ministry gifts for Kingdom Rise, and we want to draw on all these. Because you may have someone get up that's just, man, if you're feeling like this, then, man, they're going to they're gonna minister to you. But you're going to get a lot of those that are going to, hey, we're not staying here. We're going forward. We're drawing out. We're, let's, we're going to empower you. We're going to equip you. We're going to be future-focused. You're going to get a lot of it. And the great thing about it is every single one of them that are coming, All five gifts will be in manifestation next week. All of them are or were pastors. All of them. Pastor Roddy, Pastor Earl, Pastor Marcy, Pastor Daryl, Pastor Bonnie. 
The only one that's not currently in pastoral ministry is, is uh, Pastor Daryl and Miss Bonnie. They recently just handed the church over to their son. And now he's out on the road traveling. And, and really what I like to call apostles is leaders of leaders. Apostles have the capacity to lead leaders, to raise up and, and other ministers and pastors and leaders in these other five-fold ministry gifts. And that's what Pastor Daryl and Bonnie are doing. They have their own ministry, Victory Ministries International, and, and they will ordain, they'll license, they'll plant churches, and they'll go back into those churches, empower, equip, minister to the bodies, do just like what Paul did with Apollos in the book of Corinthians. Remember I told you 1 Corinthians, Paul wasn't coming in overriding Apollos. He was coming alongside Apollos and saying, hey, he's been teaching you how to deal with this and that and the jealousies and the envies and, and the, uh, the, the fornication and the mess and taking each other to court. And now he's just reiterating and empowering that church while coming alongside and assisting Apollos, not overriding his authority and his leadership. So we need these gifts in place. Amen. Uh, let's see. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. I've had a pastor all my life. I'm in ministry today because I've had a pastor. I knew at a very young age I wanted to be in ministry. Maybe I didn't know what capacity, but I knew there was a call and a pull to ministry, and it was because of a pastoral influence in my life that saw that call, spoke that, declared that over my life, and all along the way, every pastor that I had confirmed and spoke into my life uh, the, the call to ministry, and every single one I submitted to, I remained subjected to, I valued them, I'm talking from a young child all the way up into my teen years, into uh, college, and then entering ministry itself. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. The message reads it this way. Be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their counsel. They are alert to the condition of your lives and work under the strict supervision of God. Contribute to the joy of their leadership, not its drudgery. Why would you want to make things harder for them? You know, we always tell people, you know, every opportunity we can, that everything we do or everything we're encouraging you to do, or every, uh, even if it's a rebuke or a correction, it's for your best interests. It's for your productivity. It's for your effectiveness in the kingdom of God. I heard someone say years ago that you correct what you care about. What you leave undone, what you leave unchecked, what you don't uh, speak into or what you don't come in and realize is a, 
a revelation and an, an identifiable, it makes identifiable what you do not care about. You know, when I walk around this church, if there's a piece of trash on the floor, I'm picking it up because I care about this church. I don't do that in Walmart. I don't do that in Target. I mean, maybe if I'm just feeling overly generous that day. But I don't care about Target the way I care about this house. Amen. And so you make those tweaks and you make those adjustments. Of course, what's the first thing the enemy wants to, wants you to think? That we don't like you, right? That, that we are just trying to mess with your business and mess with your life. That the things that we're suggesting, and we suggest hard things <laughs> to your flesh, your spirit on the inside saying, yes, that's it. That's what you need to do. That's what you need to apply. That's where you need to go. That's what you need to tweak. But the flesh is like, well, I want none of that. We just learned on Sunday that the natural mind is what? Hostile to God. It's an enemy of God and can never come under alignment and subjection to God. You ought to be leery of pastors that make your flesh feel good. <laughs> because they're investing in the wrong part of your life. They're investing in the part of your life that will get you in trouble or keep you in trouble. Pastors that are afraid to say the hard things. Pastors that are afraid to, to bring the tweaks and bring the adjustments. I, I've had meetings where I was thinking as I was saying the words, this person's not coming back. Because it was that hard and that pointed. But I'm giving them the word. Because just as that verse says, I am strictly subjected to God for your life. And I don't say that just to carelessly throw that out there so you listen to what I say. I will seriously stand before the throne of Christ and give an account of every person that he has given us a shepherding counsel and guidance over, period. That's a weighty thing. And so I'm trusting in the teachability and I'm trusting in the spirit of God on the inside of you saying, hey, you might not like this, but this is what you need. I'm trusting in that because I'm not the Holy Spirit. You know, anything that my wife and I address or have to counsel on, we're the second ones at least to come in. Because there's the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of you saying, hey, you know you don't need to be doing that. And because you overrode the Holy Spirit, now a pastor has to step in. Come on. You know, I told someone one time, I said, uh, you know, they were asking me, uh, wanted me to preach and teach things from the pulpit that are, are not biblical, number one. It's not my assignment. It was having to do with all this pandemic stuff. And so they said, well, then, then how are you going to help the people know what to do when this comes up? I said, the best thing I can do is train them to listen to the Holy Spirit on the inside of them. And they'll know whether they need to get a vaccine or not. They'll know whether they need to pull their kids out or not. They'll know whether they need to move or not. They'll know by what the Holy Spirit says. That's the greatest thing I can do for you, is to train you and teach you how to listen to the voice of God in your life. Amen. 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 15 says this. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. If I'm delayed in coming, you'll already have these instructions on how to conduct the affairs of the church of the living God. This is in the, the Passion Translation. How to conduct the affairs of the church of the living God, his very household, and the supporting pillar 
and firm foundation of truth. That was Paul's assignment that he's saying, I am here to give you truth, to make sure that the church remains a pillar in support of truth, that truth is not compromised. You and I both know that truth is one of the number one things in the church that's on trial today. We're living in a day where the ones speaking truth are so rare, such a small percentage. Either, either they, um, either there are those that have altered the truth into a lie or don't touch the subjects because they're so controversial today. That's exactly what the enemy wants to do is he wants to make truth controversial that we, the, the, the one percenters, are the radicals, the crazy ones. Come on. I'm not just, I mean, you're in this room too. You're some of those radicals too. Don't look at me like that. I'm going to tell you right now, it, it, it might seem like it comes out with ease. It might seem like I get up here and it just flows, flows, flows. But the battle every weekend, every Sunday morning getting up here, I'm telling you, it's real. Because it's getting to the point, just saying basic truths in the Word of God aren't accepted as truth anymore. Just the basic stuff. And after a while, you, you get a little weary of being the one going against the, against the flow. That's why I love when Pastor Paul Brady was here, because I was like, man, he's saying stuff that I've been saying all along, but now it's someone else that's confirming it. Because, you know, sometimes it's like, man, am I the only, am I the crazy one? Still believes in the, in, in, in the prophetic, still believes in tongues and interpretation of tongues, that still believes in the Holy Spirit coming upon somebody, that still believes in revival coming to this planet, that still believes in a move of God. I mean, I've met some pastors that don't even believe. They, they'd rather just get out and go. It's sad. So after a while, you know, you, you, you battle that, and, and, and there's a lot of war. That happens before I get up here and minister, especially on things like we've ministered this year on identity, his church, revival, rude revival. I mean, these are things that might seem catchy and, and exciting, but th- there's a war going to, to, to coming against that doesn't want me preaching what I'm preaching. I need your prayers more than I ever have. And even more as the day draws near to stand and to say and to preach what needs to be preached. Uh, Last passage here, Acts chapter 20. I'm so thankful for the role of the pastor, not just because I am one, but because I have received from the gift of the pastor. And I do believe that there is a restoration, there's an order. Um, The Lord gave me this Several weeks ago, I shared it with my wife. I just said, I believe our our church is going to be a place of healing for those that have been hurt. And they're going to stop um, symbolizing the church as a place of hurt, and it's going to become a, a, a symbol of health. And I believe we're going to do that. 
I believe we're going to establish that. Now, you know, the enemy wants to do everything he can to ensure that people get hurt here and not help. He's going to want to do that. So I need your help in understanding that there may be people that walk through, that they, they have far gone given up on the church. And for whatever reason, they've walked back in these doors, and they're going to find healing in the same place they thought they found hurt. And they're going to build. He's restoring a trust in the church again. He's restoring a hope in pastors again. Not me. He is. He is. And so we guard that and we protect that. Because there are people that have watched leader after leader fail them, and they've given up and said, this church thing doesn't work. This church thing is broken. These pastors don't know what they're doing. Every single of them, just, just, they just want to make money, and they just want to build their ministries, and then, and then they tiptoe around things. No, somebody's got to do this thing the right way and restore the order and restore the value once again. In Acts chapter 20, Paul says this, Indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore, I test to you this day, I, therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased <clears throat> with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. I'm just letting you know that those wolves come in in sheep's clothing. They're savage, but they're deceptive at the same time. That's the kind of, that, that's the worst kind of savagery that where you don't even see it happening before it's too late. Savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Sounds like a hireling, doesn't it? Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. This is Paul speaking to the elders, the leaders that he was leaving in place, specifically at the church of Ephesus, before he passes on. And he's saying, look, these are the values. These are the reasons why you're in place. These are the reasons why the sheep need you. You're not there to build your ministry. You're not there to build your following and your influence. You're not there to, to make a name for yourselves. You are there to see to it that people are equipped and empowered for the work of ministry, that the kingdom of God is advanced. I want to give you five pastoral obligations real quick. Five pastoral obligations. What every pastor, regardless of where they are, geographically, demographically, the, the people God's given them. Um, at the end of the day, these are the five things that a pastor will stand accountable for before the Lord. Number one, to support truth. To support truth. He said, I did not, uh, 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 night and day, I, I, I am free from the blood of all men. I did not uh, give you watered down compromise the gospel. We've got to be supporters 
of truth. Pastors in these days are going to be truth fighters. Last day pastors are going to be truth fighters. Just as I said, there is a war that happens before I ever get up on this stage, period. And I'm going to tell you right now, that, that only grows as the audience grows. The weight of that. The weight. Knowing that you could say one thing and in one moment split the church. Because it's, it's, it's all or nothing. You've got to be a truth fighter. You've got to be able to receive the truth. And in a world and in a culture that wants to squash truth, veil truth, lace it with lies, the truth gets harder and harder to say. So we've got to be supporters of truth. Number two, advance the kingdom. I saw someone say one time, you're not building a castle, you're building a kingdom. We're not going to do things here that compromise our kingdom efforts and kingdom agendas. We're not here to build a name for Anchor Faith Church. We're not here to, everything we do in here has to affect what's happening out there. Period. It's got to be kingdom. We are a kingdom church. I mean, it's weird that you even have to say that these days, but we're a kingdom church. We're not a denominational church. We're not trying to do this person's plan or that person's program. We are a kingdom church. Period. Number three, accomplish the vision. The vision. I heard someone say one time, division is two visions. Now, we're here to accomplish the vision. You know what? That means we'll say no to a lot of things. I'm not here to look like everybody else. I had someone ask me, you know, are y'all going to do a fall festival? Everybody here loves fall. You know what? There are churches in this town that do amazing fall festivals. I can tell you which ones to go to. We're just not a fall festival church. Not right now. It's not the season we're in. People try to get us to do Christmas programs. Somebody wanted us to bring in, they told us they had access to live animals. If you need a donkey, if you need a, uh, no, my last church. We Pastors love hearing you talk about your last church. Can I just tell you that? We love hearing about your last church. <laughs> I'm being facetious. I'm, I'm joking. Forgive me, Lord, I shouldn't have said that. We are here to accomplish the vision, his vision. That doesn't mean we don't we don't enjoy input and ideas. We love that stuff. At the end of the day, I'm going to submit it to the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to say yes just because you came and brought your idea. You might have a great idea. You might have a phenomenal idea. You might have a great ministry. Man, God's called you to do it. It's just not something Anchor Faith Church is called to do. You've got to learn to say no so you can do the things that you need to say yes to properly. Amen? Y'all with me? I'm not mean. I'm not closed-minded. It's not because I don't like you. I don't like your ideas. It's because God has called us to a specific vision, and we're here to accomplish that. Period. Number four, shepherd the body of Christ. Shepherd the body of Christ. Shepherding entails feeding, guarding, empowering, 
caring and correcting. That's, that's how we shepherd the body of Christ. We feed it, the word of God, uncompromised word of God. We guard it. You know, that's one of my roles is to guard and protect you from things that want to try to creep in here or things that you might engage out there. Empowering you, equipping you for ministry, caring for you, hospital, food, uh, prayer. I mean, we I, I've, in, in the last, what, 12 months, I've been basically by someone's bedside as they passed away. And then we care for the family that's left behind beyond that. That's pastoral care. That's what we do. And then correcting the counsel, the guidance that we give. I'm not here to agree with you. If you're just looking for a venting session, that's not us. We're here to counsel and bring guidance and say, hey, this is what we can tweak. This is what we can adjust. This is what God wants to do. This is God's plan and so on. Number five, prepare the bride of Christ. Prepare the bride of Christ. Sometimes we forget that the church is not just the body of Christ. It is the bride. And he said very clearly in Ephesians chapter 5 that he will present to himself a bride that is spotless, without wrinkle. And that's, that's a heavy weight as pastors. That we're preparing you so that on the wedding day, you come down the aisle to your groom. And he can look at you and say, that's utter perfection. That's everything my bride is supposed to look like. Spotless, without wrinkle. Would y'all stand with me? As we go into this weekend, I want to um, really would ask, especially you, our midweek core group right here, that you would be lifting up these services. Because these ministry gifts, they're coming to be a blessing. You, you know how we value, how we honor ministry gifts, how we pull, we draw, we make a demand. I spoke with Pastor Darrell uh, Monday morning just going over some final details, and I just said, look, our church is excited. He said, look, every time I come there, it's easy. It's easy. I, I, if I could get any compliment after next week, after all is said and done, I would love for all of them to just simply say it was easy. You know, we can, as ministers, we can take the seed and we can shove it in hard soil. But it's really awesome when, man, we just throw it and it just, and then it gets watered. And how you receive the word makes the difference. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.